Uh, I've lived in all sorts of places around the country. Uh, I lived in uh, Tennessee, New Jersey, Colorado, Minnesota. I've been here in Kansas for about a year now, just over a year. And I've, I've discovered that depending on where you live in the country, we use different words to describe different things in different corners of our, our great nation here. So, for example, when I hold this up, you see this bottle of uh, brown sugar water. Uh, what, do you, what do you call this? What do we call this? Soda, pop. I heard soda, pop. Um, there are different things we call it. So let's go to the map. Let's put the map up there. Uh, you can see we're in the blue, somewhat blue-yellow region. We're in the pop region mostly. Uh, but just south of us, if I'm looking at the map right, yeah, just south of us is Coke. And uh, so there in a the restaurant, we say, I'd like a Coke. They'll say, what kind? You know, Dr. Pepper, root beer, any of the dark colas, you know, that's, that's, that's Coke. So we, there's different words to describe that. Now, when you have um, a sale in your driveway, when you decide there's some stuff you want to get rid of and you put it out in your driveway, invite your neighbors over to peruse and, and purchase, what do we call that? Garage sale. All right, let's look at the map. Garage sale. Yeah, we're right there in the green zone, garage sale. But there's also yard sale and uh, rummage sale. I've never heard of a tag sale, although I, I would love to go to a tag sale sometime. But we've got different words that describe that. How about those big trucks that pass you on the highway, or maybe you pass on the highway? What do you call those big trucks? Sem- a nuisance, all right. A nuisance or uh, semis, yeah. Uh, let's, let's go to the map. Semi, semi-truck, tractor-trailer on the East Coast. And then down in New Orleans, it's called an 18-wheeler, right? They get out there and they count the wheels, and that's how they label, they label those vehicles. So you're four-wheelers, nothing compared to that 18-wheeler. Uh, one more. So when you need something to drink and you're going down the hallway, you see that little fountain there to get some water. What do we call that? Water fountain, uh, let's see what the map says. There's also drinking fountain. Water fountain, drinking fountain, we're somewhere in between there. Uh, and then there's this little place up in the UP and on the East Coast there, Bubbler, the Bubbler. My uh, Angela was born in Wisconsin and her family has you know, roots in Wisconsin. This town, you got to hear the name of the town in Wisconsin. She's from Oostburg. Isn't that great? Oostburg. I like to know the Greek of that. What does that mean? Oostburg, Wisconsin. And she said in Wisconsin there, they called it a Bubbler as well. A bubbler. I want to just get that into our language. I think it's so cute. Let's go get some water from the bubbler. Sounds like ritzy or something. I don't know. Refined. Bubbler. So potato, potato, tomato, tomato, right? The way we we say words, the kindness of words that we choose, uh, the language that comes out of us, it says something about where we're from, what's important to us, kind of what's informed our understanding of life, what's true for us. Uh, Language has a way of expressing those things. This morning, we want to talk about wisdom when it comes to our words. There's a wise way to use words, and there's an unwise way to use words. And we want to talk about what does wisdom say about the language that comes out of our mouth? Because with our words, we can bring light and and life to people, and with words, we can bring death and darkness to people. And I, I think most of us, maybe even all of us, would want our words to help other people, to inspire them encourage them. We'd want our words to express love and and hope to people. Most of us would rather add value to someone than take value away. And our words will either bless people or our words will curse people. We get to make that choice every day. If I'm going to bless someone or I'm going to curse them, what are your words doing? I want you to think about that question this morning. What are your words doing? The words that you say, the words that you write, the words that you post, the words that you text, what are your words doing? My guess is sometimes our words build people up. 
And sometimes my words, sometimes your words, it, it pulls people down. Wisdom is saying something to us this morning about the kinds of words that we choose every day. And remember what the cry for wisdom is. We've talked about this for a couple weeks. The cry for wisdom is, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? When we say, those, when we say that, we're saying, we need wisdom. I need wisdom. So when it comes to the words that we say, the cry for wisdom is, what was, why did I say that? Why did I use those words? When we think that, when that comes out, that's, we're, we're saying we need wisdom. I need wisdom for what I say, what's coming out of my mouth. Have you ever said something you regret saying? Yeah. I mean, we all have done that, right? We've all done that. Most of the time when I've wanted a redo, it's because something came out of my mouth or I wrote something down and sent it off when I should have just held it a little bit longer. The wisdom books of the Old Testament have a lot to say about what we say. And so this morning, I want to look at a passage in Proverbs 26. So if you have your Bible with you and you want to open up to Proverbs 26, verse 17, we're going to look at what Proverbs has to say to us about the language we use. And we've been working with a a definition of wisdom, that wisdom, wisdom is knowledge applied to life experience. Wisdom is the stuff that we know. The knowledge that we have gained in school, in in relationships, through training, through scripture, the wisdom that has been given to us, and then we layer that on top of our experiences, the things we do day in and day out. And and, and more than just the experiences, actually a a reflection on our experience. Why did I think that way today? Why did I do that thing today? Where you reflect on our experiences and we put wisdom on that, and those two things working together can grow wisdom in our lives. So this book of wisdom, this book called Proverbs, it contains a lot of short sayings that point us toward wisdom. And as a a wisdom book, it's a unique style of writing in the Bible. There's different styles of writing in the Bible, and wisdom is one style. It's not historic writing where we're learning about people and places and timelines, history that's accurate, that's in Scripture. And it's not prophetic writing that's uh, where the writer's calling us to hear and pay attention to God's promises or warnings about the future that should change how we live today. No, the Proverbs, are, they're not rules for living. The Proverbs aren't promises for future choices that we're going to make. The Proverbs are short, wise sayings that inform how I'm to make a choice, the way I, I can choose today to move forward with the Lord. A wise choice for me today with my current brokenness, my current experiences, what's wise for me today? And what's wise for me today may not be wise for me five years from now or 10 years from now or a week from now, depending on my experiences and what God is showing me, the knowledge that I'm gaining. So as we seek wisdom, we need to keep our hands open, inviting God to pour it into our lives, inviting others, trusted friends, to help speak wisdom to us. So let's see what Proverbs 26 has to say about our words, the wisdom around our words. So look at verse 17. We're going to read through verse 28, and just follow along as I read here. Proverbs 26, verse 17 Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives a neighbor and says, I was only joking. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts, like a coating of silver dross on earthenware, our fervent lips with an evil heart. Verse 24, enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbor deceit. Though their speech is charming, do not believe them, 
for seven abominations fill their hearts. Their malice may be concealed by deception, but their wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. If anyone digs a pit, they themselves will fall into it. If anyone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. The writer is just saying, if, if you're trying to trap people with your words, you're the one that's going to get trapped. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Let me just pause for a moment, just invite the Spirit of God to speak to us as we think about these verses together. Father God, we just offer our hearts and minds to you right now. Spirit of God, would you speak to us? Help us to hear you. Encourage us, correct us, train us, turn us around. Allow us to hear from you today as we look at these passages this morning. In Jesus' name. When I think about the things that we say, the words that come out of our mouth, my mind goes to another book of the Bible in the New Testament, the book of James. Uh, James was the brother of Jesus, and I've often thought, what was it like being the brother of Jesus, you know? Like, how often did James hear from his mom, why can't you be more like your big brother, you know? Can't you do it like Jesus did it? And James didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, You know, there's a passage where he and his other siblings and his mom went to Jesus and said, hey, come on home. (laughs) You're out of your mind. Come on. Come on back home. But eventually, he became convinced that Jesus was more than just his big brother, that Jesus was the Savior of the world, that Jesus made him right with God as he received forgiveness that Jesus offered to him. Okay, what, what, did it, what would it take for you to th- think of your older brother, your older sibling, as, as the son of God? James became convinced and became a follower of Jesus. And so he wrote a, a book, a letter to the church, to those who were following Christ, and he says this, and cha- he's got a whole chapter in that book about the words that come out of our mouth. So in James... Ch- Uh, Chapter 3, verse 2, we read these words. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. That's a pretty powerful statement if you think about it. If I can control my language, if I can control what comes out of my mouth, I might be perfect. I might be able to control everything else in my life. If I can control this little part in the lower half of my face, you know, if I can control what comes out of my, my mouth, I might be close to perfection. Of course, none of us is perfect. We know that. We, we fail. We hurt ourselves. We hurt others. We dishonor God. But one of the pivot points in our lives, one of the places we should put some attention and some intention is, is what we say, what comes out of our mouth how we share our thoughts with others. If we can grow in our ability to control our words, we, we grow in our ability to be light in a dark place, to bring the light of Christ to others. We might live without regret if we can learn how to control our words. And the writer in Proverbs 26 here, he gives us some pretty vivid images of what it looks like to not be in control of our words and to be in control of our words. Word pictures that we can apply to conversations and discussions and dialogues and even times when we're fighting. And it starts with, in verse 17, it starts with minding your own business. Minding your own business. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Don't grab a stray dog by the ears, right? What's the writer saying here? If you do that, you're asking for trouble. I don't even like touching my own dog's ears, right? I mean, what's going on in there? I don't know. But uh, he says, like, grabbing a stray dog, you're going to get bit. You're going to get thrown into a fight. You you know, don't enter into 
a, a fight you see, a conflict going on, don't jump in there and just join in. That's foolish to do that. Walking into a fight is just going to end up in frustration. When people are getting into it, what's our role? Uh, a lot of times I'll just pray when I see that playing out in front of me. Family members kind of getting into an argument, a friend going against another, you know, just, I just, Lord, you know, bring unity, bring peace, bring unity here. There's times when we can speak in words of encouragement and words to settle things down. But sometimes you just need to step back and let them work it out. Of course, there are times, this is a general statement, you know, don't enter into those fights, but there are times when we should step in. There are times when we should step up, when someone needs an advocate, when someone's voice isn't being heard. Fights aren't always fair, right? There's times when we need to lift up the voices of those who've been sidelined and overlooked. There are times when we need to speak up. But even then, we don't do it like grabbing an ear. You don't twist the ear. You step in and you bring words of love, words of truth. There are so many ways that our words can bring change and educate others and ask questions and listen to people's story and, and grow in trust. And, and of course, there's words that are like grabbing someone's ear and twisting their ear. And the author goes into, the writer here gives us just some great word pictures of what does it look like when we grab ears instead of entering in fairly and in a way that brings life. And the first thing he talks about is arrows. The idea that we might, it's like shooting arrows, arrow words. Sometimes we throw words at someone, it's like shooting a flaming arrow at them. Verse 18 basically says that, it says maniac there, but it's like when you're on fire, you throw fire at others basically what it's saying there. When, when you are out of control, what's it like to be on fire? You know, when, when you're burning up, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're confused, you take all those flaming emotions and you just start throwing fire at other people. Psalm 64 talks about this. It says, hide from me the conspiracy of the wicked and from the noisy crowd of evildoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim their words like deadly arrows. Words are like swords. Words can be like arrows. Swords are close combat weapons, right? You've got to be close to somebody to use a sword. But an arrow, you can just shoot those from a distance. You don't even have to be in relationship with someone to shoot an arrow at them. Just send it flying. I've, I've seen, you know, once you send that arrow, you, you can't grab it back. It's gone, right? Once you shoot that arrow, it's, you know, pulling out of the air. I've seen movies where people pull arrows out of the air, but I'm pretty sure it's a green screen, you know? It's like, that doesn't actually happen. Once you shoot that arrow, there's no getting it back. Once you pull that bowstring back, it's very difficult to not let it fly, not let it create the damage that an arrow can create. There's things you've said, I've said years ago that are still out there. Words you spoke that you shot and they're still causing damage. And of course, we can be forgiven. We have many times I've been forgiven for the foolish things I've said, but they're still out there. They still hold space in, in my heart and the lives of others. They still cause pain at times. I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty, but it, it's just reality, right? That's just how it is. Once we say it, it's out there. The next time I'm tempted to shoot an arrow, I hope I'll pause and say, okay, do I really want to send this? It's going to be out there. Do I want that to happen? I can't get it back. There's another psalm that says this, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I'll put a muzzle on my mouth. How many of you need a muzzle for your mouth, Right? Times where you just need to keep it closed. How do you keep from sending those arrow words? How do you keep from pulling the bowstring back? Be slow to speak. Put a muzzle on your mouth. Pause. Wait a minute. Think about what's going on inside your body. Are you a maniac? Are you on fire? You know, how's your how's your heart rate going? 
How's the, the temperature of your face? You know, how, how are you doing? Are you speaking in anger and in frustration? Are you sending out those arrows? A wise person doesn't speak up too quickly. And when they do speak, they think about what they're going to say. And they, they get close. They move in. They don't shoot from a distance. They move in. They use that sword. A sword in the verse we just read a minute ago kind of had a negative connotation. But there's places in the Bible where the sword has a positive connotation. The word of God is called a sword. Paul in Ephesians 6, he says, when you're getting ready for your day, pick up the sword of the spirit, the double-edged sword that can actually be useful. It can help bring life and correction. I think about like a surgeon with their scalpel. It's like, think of a tiny sword, right? And, And they actually hurt you to bring healing. They actually make incisions to get in and make a change that can actually be good for you. If, you, if, you have, if you're a wise person, you move in close, you use that scalpel, you use that sword. And we talked about last week, the wounds of a friend can be trusted. There's times when we have to, to cut into one another in, in love and in grace so that life can, can grow and healing can happen. So we carry this, the sword of the spirit. We don't shoot deadly arrow, arrows. We, we get in close, we listen, we're gentle, we speak in love. Look at verse 20, 21. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. A charcoal, as charcoal as embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. When I see that word quarrelsome, it just hit me in the first service I was reading. It looks a lot like squirrel to me. I don't know about you guys. Quarrel looks like squirrel. I think that's why I don't like squirrels. And quarrel. A quarrelsome person kindles strife. Words can be like fire. This idea of fire words. They bring strife. Fire words bring disunity. They pull people apart. If we go back to James's letter in the New Testament. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. That's why verse 18 talks about fiery arrows, not just arrows, but arrows that bring destructive fire, words that seek to injure, words that seek to destroy the other person so you can win the argument. It can be easy to win the argument and lose the relationship. So if we win the fight but lose the friend, did we really win? Small sparks grow into these great fires and, and we add kindling, we add fuel, we fan the flame, it gets worse. Have you ever had those moments when you're in an argument or discussion with someone Somebody says something, they've said it before, and you've thought, last time you thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a comeback next time, and now you've got it, and you're ready, you're going to dump it on them. It's like throwing gasoline on a match. Just, it, the fire explodes and consumes. And fire, again, is an interesting image because fire can be a good thing, too. We, we need fire, right? Fire transforms, fire brings warmth, fire refines the Spirit of God when He came on the early followers of Jesus in the book of Acts chapter 2. He, he arrived as little flames over their heads. Little tongues of fire, the passage says. Interesting, we call small fires tongues. It makes me think about the words we say. These tiny fires symbolize the power of God, the presence of God coming into the lives of those who were forgiven and surrendered to Jesus. And without that fire in our lives, we cannot be transformed. We cannot live in a new way. We cannot bring the life that God invites us to bring into our neighborhoods and where we go to school and where we work. 
This image of fire that transforms it, it purifies. It's a, it's a good image. I want that kind of fire in my life, burning away my pride and my addiction and my fear. I want that burned away. It's, it's out-of-control fires that are dangerous. When we throw fuel and just let it erupt, that's not helpful. Fires that are focused, fires that are controlled, that can bring life. So what are you throwing on your conversations when you're adding fuel and heat? Are you adding fuel or are you adding focus? Are you throwing gasoline and burning it all down or are you being careful about the words you're choosing? Focusing in on them, the real issue, the core challenges, close contact, focused, gentle expressions in our words. That, that can bring life. That can be good. Throwing gas bombs from a distance, that's just going to cause pain and destruction. For you, for the one you're throwing and the fire on, burning down, it's going to be painful. So put your arrows away. Put the gasoline away. Verse 24, uh, 22 and 24. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost being. Words are, there's these sweet words, these, these delicious and deadly words. Candy words. I want to call them candy words. This idea first shows up in Proverbs 18. Same passage, same wording as, as Proverbs 26. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels, sweet Delicious, tasty snacks we love to eat. How many of you guys like candy? Anybody like uh, peanut butter cups? Any peanut butter cup fans? Anybody like Kit Kats? Any Kit Kat fans? Guess what? I just happened to have with me this morning <laughs> peanut butter cups and Kit Kats. I want to, I saw your hand. Here's a peanut butter cup. Now, I want you to do something with this for me. Maria, I saw your hand for Kit Kat. Go ahead and open that up if you would. Okay, I don't want you to eat it, but just open it for a moment, okay? Open it up. And I want you to take that candy, I want you to put it right under your nose, right? Just take a, take a big smell of it. Just, if you're sitting next to them, just keep an eye. No licking. Don't let, them, don't let it touch their mouth, okay? Just breathe it in. You smell that chocolate, that little hint of peanut butter, a little crispy, yes. All right, now put it in that Ziploc and close it up. And put it away. You can't eat it now, all right? Put it away. You have to wait. This is, this is the image that wisdom gives us in this passage, Gossip is like candy. It, it draws us in. It, just a whiff and we want some of it. The secret words, words spoken about others behind their back. It has a special kind of power to it. Did you hear what happened? Did you hear what he said? No, no, tell me about it. I, mean, I want to know. Gossip has this power. It's so un, unbelievably attractive. It tastes so good. It's like choice morsels. Do you have friends who deal in gossip and you're like the gossip junkie coming back for another hit every day? They've got a new load of information, new piece of candy to offer you. Maybe you're the dealer. Maybe you're the one that knows all that's going on. You've got the gossip. When I was growing up, uh, I would go to the grocery store every so often with my mom or my dad. And, and as we started, to, you know, we'd go through there. They had these gossip magazines. Remember these? They still have some today. But back my, when I was younger, they were all over the place. These gossip magazines had tons of them. And where did they keep all those gossip magazines? Right, right by the checkout. Well, what else is by the checkout? The candy, that's right. Candy and gossip. We, they know what they're doing. They put it right there when we're checking out. It's called impulse buying. You've been walking through the whole store, making choices about milk and meat and all that kind of stuff. And you get there, you're waiting, you're all, you're, you're choiced out. You're just done making choices. And there's the gossip. There's the candy. You just, oh, sure, why not? Just throw it in, right? Impulse buying. That's what gossip is. It's an impulse, an indulgence that just sucks us in. Wisdom says don't buy it. Don't consume the gossip. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help the one that you care about. Verse 22 says it, it goes down into the innermost parts. 
And, and Jesus talked about the evil that comes out of our mouth, the evil that comes out of our life, it comes from what we've stored up inside, what we've placed down inside of us. That's what gossip, it just goes down in there and it comes out. It's never good. Wisdom says, don't buy it. I want, I want you to start working. When you're tempted to gossip, I want to start working on a simple sentence that might help you. I don't need to know. Right? You say that with me? I don't need to know. Did you hear what Jake did? I don't need to know. Do you hear what happened to Steve last week? I don't need to know. If I care about them, if I'm in relationship with them, they're going to tell me. We're, we're going to hear about it. We'll be in it together. I don't need to know until they're ready to share it with me. Don't fall for the candy. There are words that matter more. There are words that bring life. Avoid gossip. And then we go into verse 25 through 28. And there's just so many different words in there that, that speak to, to unwise phrases, we might say, deceit, malice, deception, wickedness, lies, flattery, all these words that they say, this is stuff that doesn't bring value, stuff that doesn't help. Verse 25, it says there's seven abominations that fill the hearts of those who are unwise. And if you're like me, when I'm reading, I'm like, what seven? Where, okay, what are these? And you got to go back earlier in the book of Proverbs, the Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, the writer says, there are six things that the Lord hates, even seven, there it is, seven abominations that are disgusting to him. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill innocent people, a mind devising wicked plans, feet that are quick to do wrong, a dishonest witness spitting out lies, and a person who spreads conflict among relatives. These are the things that that the pastor says, God hates. Now remember, this is Proverbs. This is not laws. This is not prophecy. If you're seeking wisdom, you're going to want to take these things out of your life as well. You're going to want to remove from yourself uh, wicked plans and feet quick to do wrong, a lying tongue. These are the kinds of things that we should hate. God hates them. We should hate them as well and want to get them out of our lives. Words that might seem charming, but they're going to, when they come from a heart that is broken, a heart that seeks to hurt others, a heart that is pulling others down. It's not going to bring value. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4 these words, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Unwholesome. It's the opposite of wholesome. Wholesome is, is not like candy, right? Wholesome is, is like granola, whole wheat bread, seeds and oats, you know. We don't always like eating those things, but we know that they're good for us unwholesome doesn't help us. In fact, the word here that Paul uses, the same Greek word for septic or trash or garbage, septic words, that's what Paul's talking about. He says, don't let dirt come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for others. Later today, I'd love for you to take a look in your garbage bag at home, go to your kitchen, and look, what do you got in your garbage? Sometimes garbage isn't that nasty, right? Sometimes it's like uh, old mail you don't need, a broken shoelace, a pizza box, you know, it's not that gross. But sometimes it can be pretty scary in that trash bag. And a lot of times, for me, it's a lot of times it's the food that actually is, is healthy food, but it's gone bad, like bread that's molded over or milk that's expired or fruit that gets old. It becomes toxic. It becomes septic. That's the real nasty stuff in your trash. It's interesting because it's, it's food that was healthy. It was food that was good for you. But over time, it's degraded. It's decayed. It's broken down. It's become septic. It's no longer helpful. There's some words we used to use words that maybe were helpful for a season, but now they've lost what used to be helpful. They've become septic. So when you think about the words we use, just because I used to say it back then doesn't mean I should continue to say it today. Maybe there's a new way 
that's not so destructive, not so septic. There's this old saying, sticks and stones may break, break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I don't hear that anymore. Have you heard that lately? I haven't heard that lately. It's because we figured out it's not true. Words do hurt us. Words can do destruction. It can break people down. It can hurt others. It can hurt ourselves. A wise person thinks about what they're going to say before they say it. They don't shoot arrows. They don't burn people down. They don't gossip. They, They don't use septic words. They bring health. They bring hope. They speak truth and love. Back in James, one more passage from James, chapter 3. He says, But the wisdom that comes down from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit. Wisdom, language that's based on wisdom, it brings clarity, it brings peace, it's built on trust and truth. We speak good words to each other, we build into the lives of others. I'm so thankful to be part of this community here at Hillcrest because over the last year I've heard so many good words from you. Words that have encouraged, words that have challenged, words that are thoughtful. How can we grow together? How can we move together as a church? And sometimes I think about the words we say to ourselves. We need to apply these principles to what we say to ourselves as well. Because sometimes we shoot arrows at ourselves. Sometimes when we burn ourselves down because our identity is not being based on what God has said about you. Let God speak words over you. God says you are his chosen child, his son, his daughter. He says he loves you, that you are forgiven. He invites you to walk with him. He says he makes humans, he says it's very good. He made Adam, he said this this is very good, what I've made. Do you hear those words being spoken over you? Friday we had this decision come from the Supreme Court and it's interesting to see how people have responded how people have interacted with it, because we don't agree, right? We don't agree. We have friends, I have family that don't agree with what I think. And I, we have to think about the words we use. How do we speak to one another? What kind of words do we put out there? How do we treat people that disagree with us? Are we shooting arrows? Are we pouring gasoline? Or are we getting in close, speaking truth, speaking love, using words that bring life instead of taking life? Let's ask God to help us do this. Will you you pray with me? Let's take a minute and just talk to God together. Father God, we thank you for this time in your word this morning. We thank you that scripture is, is true and trustworthy, that it speaks and helps us understand life. We thank you for these proverbs, these wise sayings, Lord. We know that there's different ways that we might apply it to our life today, and we ask that you would help us do that well. We ask that you would help us think about what we say and how we say it. And Father, we think about this decision on Friday about Roe v. Wade, and and, uh, Lord, we need your wisdom in how to speak about it, how to talk to others about it. We know many are celebrating that life, even before birth, is being valued in a new way, that there might be this potential that lives will be saved. And then there's others that are concerned about the real challenge that many face when they're pregnant and they're not planning on it, and what might feel like freedom's being taken away, Lord. We, we want to speak wisdom. We want to speak in wise ways into the lives of others. So guide us, Father. We thank you that you give us second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Lord, for the words that we've spoken that are unwise, we ask for your forgiveness. And we ask for the forgiveness of those we've hurt. 
We pray that you will continue to refine us and strengthen us. We surrender our lives to you, Father God, because of Jesus, because of his life, his death, his resurrection. Transform us. We pray this in his name, in Jesus' name, amen.